You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery. How are we doing? Christmas is done. New Year's is almost here. There are so many things to talk about. And I often draw inspiration from the next episode's topic directly from the tribe. And if that's something that you've always thought about being involved in, is the tribe and what we've created over here at From Sobriety to Recovery Land. That is absolutely something that's available to you. Go to jessemogul.com slash askme, fill out the coaching a questionnaire, and I will hop on a call with you and see if the tribe is a good fit for you and, and what you're seeking to accomplish in your life. And the tribe is amazing because it's an, in the Voxer app for now, might be switching that at some point, and we get into some really amazing conversations, and they offer support to one another, they share their victories, their feedback opportunities, it's just pretty amazing. And we have one of their tribal members is also a professional truck driver. So if you've ever seen a semi-truck driving down a road, and I'm going to go ahead and assume all of us have, he's one of those people behind the wheel, um, spending an inordinate amount of his time making sure that we have the things that we want, need, and desire in our lives. And this job can be very isolating, hours upon hours spent on the road. And he put some stuff into the chat the other day, and it really sparked the whole thread of this episode. The opposite of addiction is connection. And how difficult must it be for someone who spends a lot of their time isolated in the cab of a truck driving around the country? Because there's going to be a lot less opportunity for people with jobs like that to find ways of connecting when their profession really isolates them. And then this got my mind going to, well, what's it like for anybody, really, whenever we seek connection to perhaps maybe not be looking in the most beneficial places for us, to have a lot of patterns and habits built around connections with people who are no longer serving our highest needs, wants, desires, our highest sense of self. Right? A lot of us might have friends that we have been with for years and years and years. And now we want to step into sobriety and recovery and what? We're asking ourselves to cut loose of all of those college buddies and friends that we hung out with all those times. All those memories shared are supposed to just be pushed away and said, well, you know what? Those people were in my life at that period of time, but now it's time to move on. And I forget that not everyone has moved around as much as me, that I don't have any friends from kindergarten like some of y'all might, because every year we were moving. In some cases, we were moving twice in a school year. We were moving to completely different school systems, so I wasn't even keeping the friends. We were moving to different time zones. I'm much more adept, for better and for worse, at being able to just pick up and move. And having those friends be compartmentalized to, well, those were my LA friends. Those were my Ball State friends. Those were my Gainesville friends. Those were my Orlando friends. The blessing is that social media and text messaging provides an opportunity to stay relatively close to some of those people. You can see pictures of their kids and of the big life achievements that they've had that they want to share with people. And while also realizing that social media is complete facade and 
you know, families can be in huge arguments and everybody smile and they all look happy and then the picture is taken and they go back to yelling at each other. So we don't really know what's happening in people's lives based off of what we see on social media. But certainly uh, some of my favorite text threads, and I've got one with my Orlando people, I've got another one with some Gainesville people, another one with some Ball State people. Um, and it's very beneficial to be able to stay connected to these friends of mine. And also realizing that texting isn't nearly as in-depth as a phone call would be. And so let's discuss ways that we can maintain connection in this episode. And literally, my notes consist of the sentence, the opposite of addiction is connection, and just a few little bullet points that I've made up. That's it. We're going to roll on this one. Because here's some ways that I have noticed in my own life needing to seek connection. And one of the more interesting ones that popped up when I first started just trying to brainstorm out some ideas on this one was this workout website called Beachbody. And I think they've since changed their name to Bodhi. And I'm by no stretch of the imaginations affiliated with this organization. If you choose to go get some workout routines from that website, that's completely on you. I have utilized it in the past. I still do in some ways now. And one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up is when I first started thinking about the opposite of addiction being connection, I started thinking about how COVID took so much from us. And one of the things that it really took was our ability to be around people and see people. And I do like going to the gym. I like walking through those doors. I like realizing that this is an entire building that was created just so that I could go in there and get myself healthy, lift some heavy stuff, go home with that energy, eat some good food and allow my body to feel that it's been revitalized. And I was trying my darndest during the entire time of COVID to stick with a workout routine that was actually going to benefit me. And I couldn't figure it out. I would just halfway through be like, I'm just not in the mood to do this and just stop. And then I started thinking about how back in the day when I was 233 pounds, I got a hold of some insanity videos and started watching them on the TV with this guy named Sean T, I think his name is. He's the one who gave me the quote, when you take control of your body, you take control of your life. And so I started in my kitchen of my Hollywood apartment, jumping up and down and doing these exercises in order to get my body in better shape. So during COVID, I thought, okay, well, that worked then. Maybe since it worked then when I first got sober, it would work now because it's a it's sort of a classroom environment. You get to have someone talking and coaching, okay, rest for 20 seconds, now back into it. And so I thought, well, if I just follow the video, perhaps that will get me back into my workout routine. And that's whenever I weighed myself and caught me at 193 and chose to get down to 159 for my 45th birthday. And I would watch these Beachbody videos uh, called Lift. I don't remember the guy who hosts it, not important, but they were called Lift. And I had some dumbbells and I would just be up in the loft and I would just follow these. And what I noticed was that even though they weren't real people like in front of me, they are real people, they were just on the video, that having this guy talk along, he says silly stuff that... <laughs> that I'm sure he's just riffing off the top of his head. And it gets very repetitive after you've watched these videos multiple times. But what was really cool was it felt like I was working out with people. And even though the mind knew that they weren't there, they were just on a television screen, it still felt like I was working out with other people. And his timing and his 
okay, switch weights, do this now. It kept me going. And it's what fueled that release from 193 down to 159 on my 45th birthday. And it's just very interesting how the mind can feel connected in so many different ways. Not only from watching videos and feeling like I'm part of a workout class when I'm clearly not, but we can look at podcasts like this one or others that you might listen to. Talk radio. I'm a huge fan of fantasy football, so I listen to a lot of fantasy football talk radio stuff on my Sirius XM radio in my car whenever I'm driving around. And there'll be times on road trips where I just get tired of listening to music and I just want to listen to a podcast or an audio book or some talk radio just so it feels like somebody's talking to me, talking around me. The mind has infinite ways of feeling connection. What I seek for you to uncover within yourself is how can you feel connection when you need it the most? Because at some point, the radio show ends. My episodes end. The workout video ends. The phone call you make to a dear friend ends. And we're still there by ourselves in our own minds. And when I think about my truck driver, tribal member, who spends all that time alone in the cab of his truck, who he's spending the most time with and talking to the most is himself. And we all are. Now, whether we're noticing how much we're talking to ourselves, whether we're really investigating the things that we say to ourselves, you can go to addiction recovery meetings every single hour, every single day, all you want. But at some point, you're going to lay down in bed and it's going to be you in your head talking to yourself. When you first wake up in the morning, it's going to be you who greets you first before anybody else has a chance to. Even if you are awoken by a deliciously smelling cup of coffee by somebody, your mind is going to feed you a thought before your body even has a chance to smile at that person for bringing you the coffee. Your body responds, it might be milliseconds before your mind knows what's going on, but the body begins to respond. The brain is already thinking before the arm is even reaching out for the coffee. What you say to yourself, the thoughts you have, the feelings that come from these thoughts, they are going to create your actions. They are going to set your mood. As we begin to... Whether it's continuation of your journey, beginning of the new year, whether it's a lapse recently and you're trying to get yourself back on track, everything is started in the mind. Everything. That's your home. And when we talk about physical, emotional, mental, spiritual being the pillars of your spheres of career self-relationships, and then we create these rooms, I call it the mansion of your life. These rooms, this McMansion is created in your mind. What you think about your career, what you think about yourself, what you think about your relationships, how you're physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually involved in these three spheres. All of this is created first in the mind before action is ever taken. When we go to seek massive change in our life, there's going to be a lot of really, really tough decisions to come up. It's going to. I could reframe them and say they're amazing. They're fantastic. They're the most wonderful decisions we'll ever make. But the fact of the matter is, is that the human mind and the human body, they experience emotions. The head, heart, and gut can find themselves on completely different pages, sometimes in completely different books. 
having completely different journeys. We seek to get your head, heart, and your gut on the same page, same sentence, but there are going to be a lot of times where you look at yourself in the mirror and one aspect of your life seems to be going great and other ones aren't. And how are you going to talk to yourself about that when you start to have these judgment questions about yourself? We can go to all the meetings, we can have all the conversations, but it all starts inside our own minds. As much as it would be great to be able to just completely hand over the influence of our lives and the directions of our lives to other people and say, you know what, you just figure it out for me. I just want to check out. It doesn't work that way. Because no matter what somebody says to us, no matter what amount of unsolicited advice or paid for coaching and all the stuff in between, no matter how much is said to us, our mind is still going to decide. Our body still has to choose to go in that direction. We might have to change jobs. We might have to change friends. We might have to move cities. We might have to do all of those things. Or maybe we don't have to do any of those things. It's all subjective to your perspective. And then the congruency you might be looking for with other people in your life whom you are also making these decisions for. If you get sober and decide you need to move out of the house you used to always get drunk in, but yet you live with a whole family, <laughs> they don't want to move. You can't move. You're in a mortgage. You're underwater. Interest rates are too high. Budget's too low. Credit score is a bunch of crap. Cars breaking down, don't have money for packing boxes, let alone for tape, like all of it, right? Like there's just so many infinite variables that have to go into decisions that are made. The best way I have found is to just start asking myself, what am I actually in control of? I had a wonderful conversation to a member of the tribe today, and we were talking about the business and the podcast and all this stuff. And he's like, well, what do you actually have control of? And I really only have control over my time my energy, my actions, my thoughts, my feelings. I have very little control over the results. I could put out a podcast every single day from now until I'm 87 years old, and I have no control over the results of how many people listen, how many people take action, how many people stick with it. That's all, that's not, that's out of my control. As soon as the words leave my lips, they are now in your control. So it works that way in every other aspect of life too. I can go outside this office and go up into the bonus room and I could start working out. And will I release a quarter of a pound today? Will I gain a quarter of a pound today? Maybe so, maybe not. I could drink a gallon of water. Will all that water go to my cells and rehydrate me and make my body stronger and more vibrant and more alive? Maybe. Maybe it just makes me pee a lot. There's so much about life that isn't really within our control. But our mindset, the way we talk to ourselves, how we choose to do these things, that stuff is within our control. Tomorrow, I'm going to introduce you back to something we talked about in episode 74 about uh, recognizing, evaluating, and correcting. They call it the REC plan. And I'm sure it's something I probably gathered up from somewhere or brainstormed one night in the shower. But the point is, is that we get such a small amount of time on this rock of ours. I had this thought the other day about what is it all of this is for? Not just the show, but like my life, like my existence. Why was I blessed to be the sperm that won the race to the egg? How different might I have been if a different sperm won the race to the egg? Maybe how different would I have been if I'd have been raised in Wyoming or New Hampshire rather than Oklahoma and moved so much? All. 
all of it would have mattered. All of it would have changed something. But at the end of the life, when this body no longer takes breath, no matter what our belief systems are, we really don't know. We really do not absolutely positively, without a doubt, know what is waiting for us on the other side. Something I utilize to fuel me is part of this unknown, and I've got a very strong belief system around a lot of the things that y'all probably believe in as well. Deities and, and spiritual books and all that stuff, they play a very strong role in the creation of my belief system. But at the end of the day, no matter how strongly I believe about any of this stuff, it doesn't necessarily make it true. One billion people believing something to be true doesn't make it any more true. We won't know till we get there, and we don't get to come back and tell the rest of the people the secret. I just want to get wherever it's that I'm going. And if there is someone, some deity, something that's greeting me somewhere, and maybe it's just my own consciousness that's just in there being like, what did you do with your time you had down there? It'd be cool if it was like the good place and you get to go ride, you know, go-karts and <laughs> act like you were in Mario Kart and, you know, walk through any door and have awesome things waiting for you on the other side. But we don't know. And we don't even know if somebody's going to greet us there and look us in the eyes and ask us what we did. We do not no, but on the chance that somebody is going to ask me what I did with my time down here, I want to have a good freaking answer. Wasting it away, looking up through the bottom of a bottle, seemed like a really great answer when I was in my 20s and 30s. It stopped feeling like a good answer when I started waking up day after day after day. And a bed full of my own piss and vomit and, and sweat, waking up in bathtubs thinking I was having heart attacks covered in my own filth, stopped seeming like such a good answer whenever it was destroying me. Now I'm sober, I've got this cool show, got a lot of amazing people in my life. As much as I thought when I first got sober that uh, that it was it, Opposite of addiction is connection. Make tons of friends, make tons of connections, just grow, expand, 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 expand. I was like, you know, the whole point of my life was just to get into addiction, to get sober. And I quickly realized that was not it. And I still am not sure what the meaning of life is. I enjoyed just the aspect of discovering that. And what the meaning of life is today might be a different meaning of life tomorrow and different next week and next month and next year. No idea. I'm sure there's a theme that's starting to play itself out, and one day I'll recognize it. I'm not going to try to do it right here live on the microphone. So like I said, maybe there's somebody waiting to question my decisions. Maybe there's nothing waiting to question my decisions. We're all allowed to believe whatever we want to believe. Connections are created when we choose to experience them. There are so many ways of doing it. The first person that we seek to reconnect with on this journey from sobriety to recovery is going to be ourselves. It's the person we've more than likely been the most detached from. 
alone, driving in a cab in the middle of the night, making your next stop, or sitting in your office at three in the morning, questioning why I run myself ragged like this, or for you sitting there above the stovetop, stirring the sauce for the dinner, wondering if this is all that life is, going to a job that drains you rather than invigorates you. This is just four of the infinite different things we could all be experiencing on any given day. And maybe we do do have that self-awareness that when we see the butterfly sitting on the leaf after a rain, or we see the Japanese man of war on the ocean shore in St. Augustine, that we take a beautiful picture and we capture this glimpse, this glimmer of the beauty that is created on this amazing little rock from the sun that we are on. It's all available. The beauties, the horrors, the happiness, the despair, the grief, the sadness, the elation, the joy. It's all here. How do we choose to connect to that? January 1st is an arbitrary day. We made it up. We decided it was going to become one of the most important days. Let's all make sure the night before it is super fun and that that morning when we wake up, everything about our lives will change for the better. But in reality, it's no more special than... June 15th, May 12th, April 4th. It's just another day. How we choose to connect with this day is why it has the importance that we feel it does. The opposite of addiction is connection. But it becomes our choice how we choose to connect, feel connected, think about the connections, and then take actions to achieve what we just thought and felt about connection. It's so much, and and it's so varied. I wish it was just simple. Do this, do that, equals connection. God, I wish it was that simple. There's a quote that we say in our NLP class, and I don't remember who said it, and I'm definitely going to butcher it. But it was like the, the one joke about communication is that it ever actually happened at all. Because everybody we're talking to has their own world going on inside their head. They're trying to figure out their stuff. They're trying to figure out what they need to do today in order to achieve whatever they've set out as their goal. That no one's doing anything against us. They're doing it for themselves. There's all of these. But it doesn't necessarily make the swallowing of what life serves us easier. The Buddhists have this whole thing where it's like the life is suffering. I'm pretty sure it says this in my recovery Dharma book, Dharma recovery book. It's like life is suffering. I'm like, I get that parts of life are suffering, but does it all have to be suffering? It's like, I guess, you know, it depends on how you choose to look at it. Like if every delicious meal eventually becomes a bathroom moment. I mean, you could look at it that way. I don't know if this is making any sense, but it feels like it might be making some sense. And some sense is better than no sense. Words spoken are are better than silence. Even if they're hurtful words, at least something comes out and it can start a conversation. Hurtful words said without the continuation of the conversation from them is just wasted breath. Connect however you choose to connect. If you have questions about how to connect on a deeper, more meaningful level, then yes, reach out to me at jessemogul.com slash ask me. Click on the coaching button. Fill out the questionnaire. 
Learn neurolinguistic programming so you can understand how all of this stuff is created in your mind, which thus creates your life. Come, join the tribe. Be around fellow listeners like yourself. Discuss these topics. Expand your world. Do something that creates uncomfortability in yourself. And if nothing else, the power of the tribe, the power of the member getting on there and talking about being alone in the cab, missing things with his family, missing things with his parents, missing time with his kids, missing time with his wife. It's like that kind of realization about what's being taken from you or in many ways freely given based off of a profession is what creates a desire in people to change their lives. He's having one. I bet you you're having one too. And the power of the realization is it can become the fuel for change. Or the power of that realization can become the anchor that holds us back, maybe even drags us down. The power of realizing that all choices are yours to be made can be both freeing and overwhelming. I've had to make 20 decisions in the last 30 days that will drastically change the course of my life. I have no idea if they'll play out the way I hope. I have no idea if what I desire will be achieved. There's a whole lot of hope. And what is it that that they say at the CRSS conference? You know, we we went from hopeless dope fiends to dopeless hope fiends. There's always the hope that we'll figure out a way to shift all of this stuff and start writing life in an optimistic pleasantly joyous world. And it all comes down to the way we talk to ourselves, the way we feel ourselves, and the way we choose to take our actions. January 1st is an arbitrary day. Every single day can be treated like the first day if we choose to connect with ourselves in that way. All right, my friends, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives when we wake up sober. Shout out to Sunshine and Robert. Glow on till tomorrow. Bye-bye.